0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Brony Weekly, where today we're going to be talking all about our favorite episodes of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. We're also going to be talking about the best ways to cosplay Rainbow Dash, as well as doing a little review of the My Little Pony role-playing game that was released uh, uh, I think it was about a couple years ago. So, I am Al, and... Joining me today, my cousin Wayne. So, Wayne, what would you say is your favorite character from My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic?
1: Uh, I oh, don't know wait, if I have ever watched that. Oh, oh, wait a second. <laughs> I didn't wait. Do my homework.
0: Oh, I, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, wrong podcast. Sorry. <clears throat> Anyways, so I, I bet you are sitting there thinking, "What the heck is he talking about?"
1: Oh no, no, you don't understand. I've, I've never been part of the Brony movement. But there was an there was this old cartoon I think it's still going on uh, called Something Positive, and they had a um, ro- they decided to run a role playing game because they said if you look into the original My Little Pony it was like dark as hell so they're like yeah so we're gonna do a role playing game based off My Little Pony and it was like all oh, the ponies shall succumb to the apocalypse and it, it, was, like, <laughs> it was like it was like awesome.
0: You know, and actually there is a, a tabletop role-playing game that was re- made about My Little Pony. I, I think it was released within the last couple years. I just remember seeing it at a gaming at a – what's that con that uh, – because they did it in downtown Appleton. Um, you know how they have – con Not that one. Um, you know how they do Let's Play Green Bay? They tried doing a Let's Play Appleton and I did go there, but I don't think it. Unfortunately, I don't think they got quite the the turnout they wanted for it because I don't think they did it last year. So, I yeah, I was just looking at, and yeah, apparently there is a role playing game based on My Little Pony, uh, and supposedly it's not that bad. I don't know. I'll have. I don't know. I'm not. No plans to take a look at it, but if anyone ever said, "Hey, I happen to have a copy of My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic," the role playing game. Well, I'm a role-playing game fan, so I'm always willing to at least try something out. But
1: I have to say, I don't. I, we uh, people have played things that are totally more baffling than that, so I'm not going to judge anyone. No judging. <laughs> That's judge- true. Judgment free. Just saying. Yes.
0: And uh, but we're not here to talk about My Little Pony or tabletop role. Well, we are going to be talking doing one story that does uh, actually have to do with tabletop role-playing games. So let's get right into it. There's a website I uh, follow called Geek Native, www.geeknative.com. And there was a story I caught on it uh, not too long ago. Uh, There is a person who actually came up with a tabletop RPG based on Breath of the Wild called Reclaiming the Wild. I did get a chance to go and download the PDFs. Did you get a chance to download them yet?
1: I did not. not. Not as of yet. Um... Uh, because of my schedule, I don't get a lot of time to do the tabletop thing anymore because, well, when you're working weekends. Um, so, no, I, I didn't get a chance to look at it as of yet.
0: Yeah, and and I hate to burst the bubble of the person who created it, but it's actually not the first time I've ever seen anyone create a tabletop role-playing game based on Legend of Zelda. Back in high school, middle, middle school, high school, I had a friend that uh, did make a tabletop RPG based on the Legend of Zelda link to the past. Now, he did it with no intention of selling it or actually creating a a tangible product. It's just some rules he created, and we would play it if we were bored at lunch. And I know there have been a couple other attempts. Well, actually, okay, three other attempts I I know to turn video games into tabletop games. Now, the first one... Is one you may or may not have heard of. Did you ever hear of an RPG called Super Console?
1: Sounds familiar, but I've never actually seen it.
0: Yeah, it's. I'm not sure if it was ever released as a physical project product or just digital, but it was an attempt to make a role-playing game inspired by 16-bit uh, RPGs. So I've never played it, but it sounds interesting. There was also a website I saw. Uh, someone made a role-playing game called The Returners, or at least it was in development at the time. It was going to be based on the world of Final Fantasy VI. So I thought that might actually have been an interesting concept. I haven't really looked at looked it up lately, though, so I'm not sure if it actually ever went anywhere. But there is one example I can think of of... A officially licensed attempt to turn a video game into a tabletop role-playing game. Actually, two. Okay, there is one we did talk about because, remember, there was the attempt to make a tabletop RPG based on Diablo. But White Wolf did one for Street Fighter II. Uh Do you ever remember seeing that when it came out?
1: Um, yes, I... There is actually a small following still, I believe, for as someone who follows uh, the Onyx Path slash White Wolf. um, There's still a slightly every once in a while you'll hear people on the forums and stuff go, you should re-release the 20th anniversary edition of Street Fighter, (laughs) the RPG. And they're like, "Mm,
0: maybe. (laughs) Yeah, and I used to have it. um, I never really had a chance to play it very often. I had one friend, we played it a couple times um, I mean, it was interesting. The They tried to do some, like, card-based combat system, but other than that, it was a lot like, you know, your standard White Wolf games, you know, Vampire or Werewolf. Uh, instead of, like, your clan, though, you had your style. So there was, like, again, they tried to make the styles of the various fighters in Street Fighter II at the time. The core book had the playable characters, so you had, you know, like... Shotokan karate for Ken and Ryu, uh, kung fu, wushu, special forces training. The only boss they included in the first version was uh, Bison, or not Bison? Um, yeah, Bison. But yeah, they actually did have one for uh, Bison, so they did boxing for that. So that's that's good to hear that it still had it has a, at least a little bit of a following out there.
1: So yeah. Now, now you are forgetting some because okay. there's the dragon there is the dragon age r p g
0: okay, yeah, you're right, and well tech is and did it, did they make a world of warcraft one too
1: yeah that's or... the other one that I was about to say is they actually white wolf i believe actually made a d twenty version of if it was white wolf I'm forgetting now I think it was, but they made uh um D twenty so, version of uh, world World of Warcraft,
0: and didn't didn't they do one with EverQuest as well? Or am I just yep. okay.
1: EverQuest was one of them, and then okay. of course well, the chicken or the egg, Shadowrun.
0: That, okay, that is true. That is true. So Shadowrun okay.
1: has its own RPG. <laughs> I
0: guess there were uh, well in that case that was a, the the video game came you no, the the RPG, RPG came first came on that first. one but so. I don't know. What is your thoughts on this with someone making a tabletop RPG based on Breath of the Wild?
1: Okay. Just between you and me and the listeners, of course, (laughs) Hyrule changes so much that to make a Legend of Zelda RPG, you could make multiple versions of it. To me, I have no interest in it because all the... I mean, what are the adventures going to be based off of? From all we know from the Legend of Zelda lore, like, only one person does anything, and that's Link. I mean, everybody else lives their lives and does whatever, but any time any important things come up, it's only Link. So you're forever in this one person's shadow to be a hero. I mean... That would be the first hurdle that you'd have to get over.
0: Yeah, and that is a good point. I did actually download the files, and I skimmed through a little bit of the first one. And just from the intro, it looks like the person does have a very clear and very sincere love and understanding of, of the Zelda franchise. And it seems like what uh, what they are trying to do is make – you're not really playing as Link. I didn't see any stats in there for Link. Uh, They had the five races that are available. And I I mean, I think in that it is interesting because as you were mentioning, Zelda is not a party-based role-playing game or a party-based game. In all the games, the only person you ever play as is Link, at least as far as I know. Now, again, something like Final Fantasy would much better lend its... Would much better work out as a role playing game because those games are focused on party based combat.
1: Yeah, and the and the entire and the if you if you look at the lore, the yeah, this is just my thing. The entire Legend of Zelda universe is pretty much focused around three people: Ganondorf slash the demon, Princess Zelda slash I I forget the goddess's name, who she's the actual incarnation of. And then Link, who is the who is the hero. That's what every incarnation is about. How do you do something where your character or characters would feel important knowing that if anything really does come down, you need you know the triforce slash the the three pinnacle people to be involved somehow. And the only one who can really because of the curse defeat Ganondorf or the demon is link. You know what I mean? Because normal people just can't do it because, because, because curse, you know what I mean? It's like, how do you make a meaningful role Experience playing game? That, yeah. When you're kind of stuck with this three sided trope that can't.
0: Well, who knows? Maybe, um, you know, maybe he does. He's deciding to imagine this is a high roll where, after Link has done what he needs to do, so thus it would allow you know, people who aren't Link or aren't Zelda to be able to get some of the glory. So, I don't know. I think it would be interesting to see how it works, and I know we were talking about this before. One of the mechanics that you weren't too crazy about in Breath of the Wild was the fact that your weapons were breaking all the time
1: all the time it's like oh that's one of the things if it's done right it can be nice but you can't repair any of your weapons you got to go find new ones and it's like oh my god just no this is just too much of a hassle after a while to actually you know what i mean yeah
0: because i would assume that in the tabletop version they either don't enforce that rule or maybe they do something like in D D, where your weapons only break under circum, you know extraordinary circumstances but it's always possible that you can always get your weapon repaired um, or go buy a new one. But like I said, my honestly, my biggest concern for the author is how Nintendo, if they find out, assuming they haven't found out about it yet, how they're going to take it. Because as we've discussed before, Nintendo is not shy about taking legal action against people who they see as infringing their copyright. Uh, we just talked, you know, about Soldier Boy and his drama. And not only that, how there was this couple running a website distributing ROMs and Nintendo sued them for millions of dollars. So, I don't know. I'm just hoping for the sake of the author, Nintendo doesn't see this as a, just another copyright infringement and take legal action against them.
1: That's the one thing you got to be careful of because they are protective of their IP, which, you know, they got to be. But at the same time... If he's not charging anything for it, you know, is he doing any harm? Eh,
0: you know. Honestly, if Nintendo does take notice and if the game does gain a positive following, if Nintendo's smart, what hopefully what they do is reach out to the author and make a deal with him. Whether possible. it's I mean, I don't possible. think oh good.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say possible uh legitimate licensure.
0: Yeah, the thing is, though, I mean, I'm just wondering how much it would they would charge him to, to, to use the license. So that's something where you would probably have to do a Kickstarter for. Or maybe Nintendo could do something like, well, can we buy the rights to the game from you and then give you royalties based on the book sales? So that, I think, would be cool if they did that because I think it would show that i mean nintendo did say they did want to try to branch out into other things other than video games so this could be an opportunity now granted there's not a huge amount of money in tabletop rpgs so i don't it wouldn't surprise me if nintendo decided not to really do anything because they didn't really see it as worth their while but in any case i mean cuz well, as i said remember nintendo they have tried branching into other things remember nintendo breakfast cereal of course.
1: Yummy. <laughs> or but was it? We I don't know. I think could have just been a spoonful of sugar to make the crunchy bits go down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cause as I recall, they sold it in a, a box that it was sectioned off in with two bags. They had the Mario thing, which was some sort of like Captain Crunch fruity type thing. And I think wasn't the Zelda part more like the uh like a fruit not fruit loops, like a mar um Oh, why can't I think of it? Lucky Charms, where it was oh. like the different shapes.
1: I think so, yeah.
0: But in any case, this game can't be worse than the Legend of Zelda cartoon or the Philips CDI games.
1: Of course, nothing can reach that level of
0: cheese. <laughs> well, excuse me, Princess. Well, moving on to our next story Mortal Kombat 11. There is a new trailer on YouTube and you said that you didn't get, unfortunately you didn't get a chance to watch it yet.
1: Nope. Not, not yet for the actual um, story trailer. So tell me
0: about it. Okay. So the story trailer, uh, it goes into how, cause well, if you've seen the ending of Mortal Kombat 10, uh, you know that Raiden has taken a much darker appearance and he's basically severed Shinnok's head and then threw it at the feet of Katana and uh, Liu Kang, who are now the the new rulers of the Netherrealm. And, you know, saying there are fates worse than death. And, you know, of course, Shinnok's head is just kind of sitting there like, you know, because he can't really do anything. So they uh, the, the trailer shows that cut scene where they show Raiden actually torturing Shinnok, essentially becoming dark Raiden and severing Shinnok's head. And that's where they also introduced the new character, which I can't I don't remember the name, but we we mentioned this when we talked about the last trailer, how there was an hourglass with the sands flowing up mm. and this new character was saying how Raiden basically upset the cosmic balance of good and evil, you know shifting it towards good, and that's where we are getting this whole time travel aspect in it where Again, you are going to have characters facing different incarnations of themselves. So, I don't know. Based on that approach, what is your opinion on it? I mean, do you think this is a you know good idea, bad idea? Do you think this is going to be beneficial to the overall Mortal Kombat mythology? Or do you kind of wonder what the heck they were smoking?
1: Uh I have no opinion. It's Mortal Kombat. We're up to eleven. You know they need to do things to keep it fresh. And yeah. really, you know, in a way, the the once Sha- Shao Kahn was done, I think that was after number three, right?
0: Uh, nine is when he. Well, in the
1: like at three, it was when hell came to Earth or whatnot, or or yeah. they were, he decided to cheat and merge the two
0: realms. Because, yeah, I think, yeah, three, I think, was the last one where Shao Kahn was the final boss. Because four, the final boss, I believe, was Quan Chi. Uh, then, I think Deadly Alliance was probably either Quan Chi or Shang Tsung. And then, or no, Mat- no uh, Mataro was in number two, I think. But anyways, like I said, then, I mean, it's been a while since uh, Shao Kahn was the last boss. But... Yeah, I mean,
1: the the thing is, is that we've been getting towards the, at least from what I understand, is we've been getting towards more of the understanding of the Elder Gods and how they play parts in this entire storyline. So kind of seeking some of the after effects of, you know, what happens when, you know, the gods themselves start breaking their own rules because that's the entire reason some of mortal Kombat 2, i think and further um started to go into interesting things was pretty much Shao khan just said well i'm going to do this and i'm going to break the rules to do it
0: see my fear and my concern is that they're going to use this as a way to restart everything again press that big old reset button like they did with mortal Kombat 9 which, and I guess I hope they don't do that because I think it's too soon to reboot the franchise. I have to admit, what they did in Mortal Kombat Nine was an interesting way to reboot the franchise because technically it reset everything without taking the original games out of continuity. Yeah. So, I guess the thing that I would that the thing that would bother me the most if they use this as another reset. Is it then it makes everything that the good guys accomplished in 9 and 10 almost meaningless? In a way, I guess I would compare it with what happened with Star Wars Episode 7. How, and I don't know if you're of this opinion too, but I've heard that there are some people with Star Wars 7 where their biggest problem with it is that it made the original trilogy meaningless. Or not necessarily meaningless, but. I mean we look at all the things that you know the heroes have been through in all these movies and then we fast forward the story a few decades and and you know we see that Luke has disappeared uh Han and Leia you know once the scene is this this awesome couple they're estranged and it's almost and the there's this new threat that's emerging and no one's taking it seriously so it's almost like everything Luke Han and Leia endured in the original trilogy is now meaningless I don't know. Do you get that opinion too or like I said do you, are you not really invested enough in Mortal Kombat to to really care that far?
1: Again, we're up to 11. I mean, I after you get so far, it's like the story is the story. You can't really you just have to enjoy it for what it is at that point. I do agree that Mortal Kombat 9 possibly should have been a a reboot you know what I mean they should have just went Mortal Kombat and possibly gave a this is where we came from this is where we are now rebooting it because that's what they kind of tried to do anyway right and then I think you're right after trying to reset the entire thing doing it again you know what I mean it kind of makes it feel like cheap, cheap? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of makes it feel like, okay, so do you really have any more ideas or are you just going back because you don't know where to take it from here? Um, Mind you, just, just from uh Ryan Roundhead Johnson, he wants to know, let you know, let it die. Yeah. <laughs> just let it die. Don't, don't worry about, just let it happen, Al. Just yes. let it happen. Don't worry about star Wars, all that stuff in the past.
0: No, just just let, let it, it go. You're right. Let it die. Just let let it, go. it go. Let it okay. die.
1: Well, by the way, by the way, Disney is more than willing to just try to find a new fan base. Don't feel bad. You can have <laughs> your old stuff, but we'll find our new people. You just go away. Let it die.
0: Okay. Well, speaking now, of, I,
1: I do want to go back for a moment though. Okay. Because I just had a thought to the Legend of Zelda.
0: Okay.
1: Is the Triforce the worst MacGuffin ever? I don't know if that's the right word for it, but just through your opinion. Because the only one who seems to get any benefit out of it ever is Ganon.
0: Yeah, I I see your point. It is kind of a bad MacGuffin because the bad guy is the only one that ever actually uses, seems to use it for anything. Um, I mean, Link, what is he? Most of the games I've seen, all he does is just hold it up and, you know, it plays a little tune and that's about it.
1: Yeah, or or they just spend time fixing things that are broken because of Ganon. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't do anything with it. It's like we've got to do this because of the Triforce. Let's why not just throw it into the golden realm and be done with it because it's just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yep. this thing ain't doing me any favors, you know. <laughs> so So that was just that was just my quick question because I just I just thought of it and went,
0: you know, no, well, it's an interesting point. So So back to Mortal Kombat 11. There was a petition going around to get Shaggy from Scooby Doo as a DLC character for Mortal Kombat 11. I got to give him props for creativity of all the people I could see as a DLC character for a Mortal Kombat game, Shaggy was not one of them. And I this was just like a recent development uh within the last day or so after we're recording this. Um, the Ed Boon did, a, I guess, make an official statement that right now they have no plans to uh, introduce Shaggy as a, a DLC character. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you think you, they could find a way to make him work as a, in a Mortal Kombat game? Or do you think there's too much of a difference there where, you know, because since Scooby-Doo has always been a very family-friendly franchise, would he be, could he work in a game like Mortal Kombat?
1: Well, first of all, Sh- Shaggy is far too cowardly to really stand up in a fight. Um, I I don't see how you could do anything other than hit the run button and run away. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing is the special power would have to – you'd have to have the 18-only uh, thing on the box because you'd have, uh, uh, just be going he'd have to be smoking all the time to at least fight now there is part of it where the first thing i thought of when i when you look at shaggy through the through the all-time commercials i don't know why but i've got this feeling like you've seen cowboy and like bruce lee and stuff like that I don't know why, but I've got something, like, if he ever got up the courage, all of a sudden he's got, like, the smooth, like, green gas around him and, like, being able to do, like, the weird (laughs) (laughs) martial arts, you know what I mean? And just, like – and then a fatality would be having to, like, take the guy – Tilting his head up, filling filling him with like Scooby snacks, and then calling in Scooby to just like eat out his insides. I I just have this thought, and then all of a sudden he's just sitting there smoking. That's 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 my fatality for 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 Shaggy. Come here, Scoob. (laughs) You know, just dumping a bunch of Scooby snacks into the enemy.
0: You know, or there's another one. He could also do a Molina type thing because. I mean, you've seen him, like, open his mouth to, like, you know, really wide (laughs) to, like, swallow those super huge sandwiches. He could do something like...
1: He just grabs two pieces of bread and just boom!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, Ed Boon, if you're listening, take note. Um, But, okay. Yeah, so I just thought that was funny that people were actually seriously petitioning them to add Shaggy as a DLC character
1: it's just sad that Casey Kasem is, I think he died. So yeah, he wouldn't he be able a to check anymore. Yeah.
0: Well, next story, uh, going to the world of portable games, uh, mobile games. Uh, Nintendo did announce that they are delaying the release of the Mario Kart for smartphone games. It was originally scheduled for March, but sounds like they're delaying it until the summer. And also there's a Dr. Mario game that they're going to be making for a uh, uh, mobile as well called Dr. Mar- I think it was called like Dr. Mario World. And then the, the mm-hmm. Mario Kart one is called like Mario Kart Tour. Now, I can see more potential with Mario Kart as a mobile game. Dr. Mario, I could only see it. See, the thing is I couldn't see a multiplayer option for uh, for Dr. Mario Um Unless they did, like, a t- you know, remember the old Tetris where there was, like, you know, you against the opponent when you create a line, it would, like, you know, f- add blocks to the other screen. So, I don't know. Maybe it does have potential, but.
1: I, I don't I don't like it with, uh, again, the biggest problem is touchscreen. I hate touchscreen controls. And trying to play Dr. Mario, right, with touchscreen controls. Like at least with like Mario Kart, you can use the accelerometer to steer. <laughs> That's <laughs> you true. know what I mean. It's like with Doctor Mario. How are you gonna like? Have they even made a Tetris with like an actual moving game with puzzle game with um?
0: Well, I know there. I I know there has been a Tetris. I used to have a version of Tetris on my cell phone. It was a free-to-play one, so of course they spammed you with ads all the time, but it worked, you know, and so I I don't think it... It's not like it couldn't be done, but I think that Mario Kart would probably work a little better because, again, you could do, like, the steering, and then, like, that way you only have to touch for, like, using items and to jump. So I could see that one working a little better. I don't think Mario... Dr. Mario would be terrible, but... It's not one that I would rush out to get.
1: No, I, I, I have to say, even yet, yeah, you know my opinion of of the entire cell phone thing. It's like, I, why, why do I want to do that to myself with the touchscreen sh- controls? I just no,
0: come on, no. Some games and some styles of gaming just don't work very well as touch screen games. So, but moving on. Well, our next story there is a rumor that Nintendo is going to make Super NES games available on the Switch Online service. So there was an a article I read from, dated from January 14th, so not too, too long ago, just a couple weeks. Uh, there is a user in the Nintendo modding community, uh, Cappuccino Heck who tweeted that while he was going through some code, he did find code for several games in the the Switch Online code. So what he found were, here's a list of games. Mm -hmm. Super Mario Kart, Super Soccer, Mm -hmm. Zelda Link to the Past, Demon's Crest, Yoshi's Island, Stunt Race FX, Kirby's Dream Course, Poppin' Twin Bee, Star Fox, Contra yeah. 3, All right. Kirby Superstar, All right. Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Kirby's oh. Dream Land 3, Super Metroid, Super Mario World, Pilot Wings, F Zero, Super Punch Out, and Star Fox 2. Oh, yes, and also uh, Breath of Fire 2. Legend of the Mystical Ninja, and Mario All-Stars. So, what would you think about this? I mean, I personally think it would be a good idea if they did bring the uh, these games to the Nintendo Switch. Because, so far, Nintendo has not announced plans to release anything like a virtual console for the Switch. So, of course, they'll have their online store. But, it sounds like they don't have any plans to make some of these older games uh, purchasable for the switch so do you think that this could be a reasonable replacement for a virtual console no
1: i here's my opinion on that yeah yeah it's good that they're doing it because i believe that we have to have those available because those are just good game. well not all of them of course at least, not that I know of, because I haven't played some of them. But there's a lot on those that are original Super NES games that should be able to be played and whatnot. To but I am against this entire thing with Nintendo of let's go away from the uh you know the store, the Wii Store, the now it would be the Switch Store to be able to purchase old games. I mean. Who we are dumb because we keep buying the same games over and over again <laughs> on the same systems. You know what I mean? But Nintendo's got since we're willing to do it, you know, why is it a problem for Nintendo? Now, one of the things for Nintendo is their online system, from what I've heard, isn't that good. I mean they kinda need it. But to block people from actually owning these games slash not wanting to re-release them or whatnot. I just I don't I don't know it just yeah. well it just I mean, seems like a mistake to me you know
0: and I see I mean I can see your point your point there because one of the nice things I mean I guess I can see upsides and downsides to both I mean yeah the nice thing about because I know that it is a subscription so you do have to pay but you also get a chance to play as you know, these games whenever you want. Now, I believe it is online though. So you do have to be connected to the internet in order to do it now. And
1: and let me ask you this. Do you really, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's becoming so inclusive that it doesn't matter in some areas. I mean, there are some areas that still don't have good internet, but do you really want to have to worry about having a stable internet connection just to play a game that has no business being online?
0: That is true. I mean, yeah, I can certainly see. It's like you're in the middle of a crucial boss fight in one of these games, and then all of a sudden, your internet connection dies, and you lose all of your, you know, you lose all of your uh, progress. You know, so, I, I
1: I have no problem with the internet and and doing it. I'm I'm very much for the internet or whatnot, but. In some things, it just doesn't make sense to just go. You have to be online for this. No, there's no reason for it.
0: Yeah, and that's where I think the downside is. It's like, okay, well, what if? I mean i I don't remember how much the uh, the subscription is, but what that's if true. I? Okay, but what if I just want to? You know, there's only a few games on there that I'm interested in, and rather than pay a reoccurring subscription to play these games. What if I just want to buy a couple of them and then download them to my my game system so I can play them whenever I want and not have to worry about being online. So I see the upside and the downside to it.
1: And here's another downside for Nintendo. For people who are just going to be angry about this, they're just going to pirate the damn games. Because that's, that's the true. one thing if you don't if you don't give people the opportunity to buy them have them not have to jump through hoops through stuff they're just going to start sailing the high seas you know what i mean they they don't care because they don't want to be bothered by it give give them the chance to buy give you money you know what i mean yeah there's you know for the entire list of games that we got but there's still a lot of games on there that you know a lot of games that were on the wii store you know what i mean that aren't on that list you That's know And from what I understand about Nintendo's policy is they're going to cycle through games. So what if you get so far in one of the games, like, let's say, uh, Breath of Fire 2, you haven't beat it, you're almost about to beat it, and all of a sudden they just go, okay, well, this game's going to be down for this month, and we're switching it out for another one.
0: That's true, and I think you definitely a good point, because, you know, especially when you are talking about games like... Uh, like I said Mario World, I know that's another one that's a, a fairly lengthy game or Link to the Past. Uh, you know, these role-playing games or these action games where they there is a lot of content to them. So I don't know. Hopefully Nintendo will find a happy medium, but we'll like I said we'll have to see. Now, in a way this kind of does tie into the next thing. Uh next story is about Project Steam. So this is essentially Google's attempt to create was been described as Netflix for gaming, and right now it's still in the testing phase and is uh so far they're i guess they're just streaming it through the chrome browser so mm. your thoughts on this uh on this topic
1: so well it's been done before it's failed before so many times um I mean, look at PlayStation now, look at OnLive, look at, I forget who the other players were in this. Now, I I don't know. It's the network stability and lag portion is always going to be a problem. Now, they're saying that they have come up with new ways of, you know, making sure that doesn't happen. But OnLive thought they had it solved as well the last time they did it. Um Right. And with our current place where big internet doesn't want net neutrality, all of a sudden, what happens if they finally decide to pull the trigger on some of these things and just go, oh, look, you want to use Google streaming? You've got to pay an extra 10 bucks a month to use that, yeah. plus whatever Google's going to charge. I mean, we we are in the situation now where we do have to look at that, where is there going to be paid highways for things that are coming out? And if you don't pay for them, are you going to degrade your internet connection, even even with whatever they do to solve their lag issues? You know what I mean? It's one of those things where everybody wants to go to cloud-based, everybody wants to go to streaming, and we haven't upgraded the infrastructure as much as we'd like to think we have to really support some of these things. So that's the only place that I come from going, is this entire streaming initiative a good idea? I think it is from distribution distribution, and cost savings, I guess, for the actual people, you know what I mean, for the distributors slash the uh, people who are making the games. But for the people at home, it's kind of sort of a mixed bag because – especially now with net neutrality being taken away and it looks like it's not coming back. um, How long is it going to be before the cable companies decide what they were going to do before or even the regular ISPs?
0: Yeah. And that's one of the problems I know with the, you know, with the net whole net neutrality issue is essentially, yeah, your internet company now has the power to decide, well, they can't, well, it's not like they can tell you where what sites you can and can't go to, but they can tell you what sites you can't go to, I guess. But they can also make it a lot harder to go to a site just because, you know, I mean, well, for the sake of argument, let's say the president of your internet service provider is a diehard Sony PlayStation fan and hates Nintendo. What's to say he decides to make his company, you know, say, okay, well, you want to go to anything related to Nintendo? It's this... We're going to make it feel like you're on dial-up, but and
1: and who's to say they're not going to do exclusivity deals? Oh, well, Google today has paid you know, two years of exclusivity—so they can have all this bandwidth. Well, we're going to shrink the bandwidth for these two guys because they didn't pay for exclusivity mm-hmm. on our network. Yeah, and
0: it. and I guess the other thing where again, similar issue to what we were talking about with the. Uh, How the Nintendo online, how the games are going to cycle out. I mean, I know they do that on Netflix where, you know, you might, you know, they might drop a series or a movie after a certain amount of time. So again, that could certainly be frustrating if, let's say, they put, you know, Final Fantasy 15 on the stream service and you were almost to the end and then. You log in the next day. Oh, Final Fantasy Fifteen is no longer there. Oh, too bad. So sad.
1: So I want to. I want to just reveal something here. Just, to just, but you know. So I went to a place that downtown. See, Electronics. Not downtown, but you know, on Wisconsin now, Cease Electronics. Okay, big okay thing. yeah, I know that because I've been thinking about building a home theater PC. And on CNET, I saw this thing called Kaleidoscape um that's uh you know kind of just a digital library service and one of the big things they were saying is how um what's what's the name of it um shoot now i'm uh ultraviolet ultraviolet was one of the things that let you get all the digital content on this on this server. You know what I mean. Or when you buy physical copies of discs, you could you know buy your movies in you know digital through this Ultraviolet. Well, Ultraviolet just decided to close up because of the movies anywhere. Ooh. So what happens to all those licenses once that company closes? You know what I mean. Like that, what happens to that entire thing? Like now, my friend, one of my friends, uh, had a lot of stuff through Apple, right? Well, he had his uh, his computer crash and his hard drive crash, got a virus or whatnot, couldn't use any of it anymore. Went over there, he lost, th- you know, hundreds, almost thousands of dollars, because he bought a lot of movies on iTunes because they had lost the license to it. Here's here's the thing, is that with with anything digital, anything streaming, we were talking about how Netflix, you know, things change. They decide to have something this month, they decide to take it away next month. Right now in the in the industries, there's nothing to support your digital what you paid for. If the company that has the license to stream have something digitally, if they ever lose it. Your stuff can all go away. There's nothing that protects your right because everything's just a license and even though you bought something while well, somebody has a license to it, that's based on their ability to provide you that content with with all this going towards streaming and going towards cloud, even going all digital, I feel that's one of the things because you you should always still be able to say, "I own." x or i own y just because you've lost the ability to sell me doesn't mean i haven't already paid for and i should already have on your server whatever i paid for it's the same thing with if you buy an online game how many games that were entirely multiplayer entirely online have we seen get shut down because the servers closed those servers probably closed because there weren't enough players or whatnot But at the same time, didn't you pay for that game? Shouldn't you be still able to play that? Because you spent money on it.
0: Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point, and that's one of the advantages. Well, just go back to like with the Wii Virtual Console, you know, the advantage there how, okay, I've downloaded, you know, several games for it. I can play those as much as I want now. Whereas if, let's say, back when the Wii first came out, If Nintendo did do a streaming type thing or, you know, then now that the Wii Virtual Console is pretty much shut down, I wouldn't be able to play those games again. But, you know, the nice thing is with them downloaded on my system now, I can play them whenever I want. But this does, I think, this is a good segue, I think, to our last section today. Our opinion topic. What do we want to see in the next generation of video game consoles? So, I would have to say one of the things I would like, and this is one of the things that really annoys me about the Xbox One. Whenever I buy a game for it, I have to wait. On, you know, it always has to sit there, it has to install itself, and it has to usually download updates and stuff. Now and the thing is a lot of these times when it's doing these updates I don't notice any game I don't notice anything I don't notice any reason for why those updates need to be installed. Now, do you know are they doing something with like Xbox One where they don't they only have the minimal amount of data on the disc and then in order to prevent people from pirating it that's why you have to be online to be able to install the rest of it as a do they do something like that or i don't know not, if that's a...
1: not not especially what what normally it is these days as 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 much as i understand about it is that most games you buy are not finished when you go out and buy a game and when they put it on the disc it's not finished it's just there's so many bugs there's so many things and that's why you have your day one patch your day one patch can be gigs and gigs of data, and pretty much what you're doing is you're just downloading the rest of the game that should have been on the disc, but it was just never finished because they just don't give themselves enough time, and you know they just have decided that that's okay. So whenever you're buying, a, whenever you're buying a product now, a game, there's most likely none. You're not actually buying a finished project, uh, product right out of the box.
0: Okay, so that's maybe more of a a game designer issue than a console thing. But I'm sorry, that just annoys the heck out of me where, um, you know, like I said, I have to... Okay, so I buy a game and then I have to wait for an hour or two for all the patches and updates to download and install. So, uh, So let's go back to what we were just talking about with streaming services. Do you think there should be streaming services on... Uh, the next generation of consoles do you think that that's something they should take advantage of or do you think that they should uh shy away from that for some of the reasons we've discussed
1: so i think they i think they should do both to be honest with you i think they because i like because playstation now and xbox live um their game pass have now both accepted this, because I believe Xbox was the first to do this, then a PlayStation followed suit. But for the people who don't have a stable internet connection, they should be able to download the game. For people who have a stable internet connection and have good enough features that they can support streaming, That's one of the reasons why they bought good – You know, that's one of the reasons why you don't pay $30 versus you're paying $100 for internet. You know what I mean? It's because you want the power. You want to be able to do these things. You know what I mean? So you should have both of them. You shouldn't necessarily shy away from it, but you should understand that not everyone's the same. Not everyone has the financial ability to support what you want the future to be. So you should make sure that you don't leave anybody behind.
0: Yeah, and that's one thing I do like with the Xbox Gold memberships that they do now, where it's like every month they give you a few, uh, like I think like usually like three or four games where you can you know download them to your your Xbox and then just play them whenever you want. So I think it would be nice if they continue to do things like that. And do they do something like that with PlayStation or? Cause yeah, honestly, like...
1: that we have the PlayStation Plus account that. As long as you keep your PlayStation Plus account, uh, that's the one difference between Xbox and PlayStation. Is that we have to actually keep subscribing to get all our free games.
0: I think it works. Just, I think it's, I think it's like that with the uh, Xbox One because I thought I saw something when I was just reading about one of the games where, uh, if I guess if you let your membership lapse, then you can't download the game, you can't play the game anymore until you renew. But yeah. I could and, be wrong on and, that, so...
1: And I thought they weren't supposed to do that, but they may have changed the the rules for it. Yeah. But, yeah, I think they should keep that, definitely. Um, I do like, not only... Because it's really weird for Xbox Gold, because with Xbox Gold, you need that to even run Netflix, I think. Like, just run apps. Like, I don't think that should... In, in this day and age, I mean... There's no reason for that. I mean, multiplayer, maybe, you know what I mean? Cause you need something to keep the servers running to do whatever, but just to like be able to use certain features that should totally go away.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. Cause one thing I did like about the Nintendo is okay. I can use my, in my Netflix account on that, those consoles without having to purchase anything extra. Whereas with Xbox, Okay, when I have to, this was more of an issue when I had the 360 because I wasn't really doing any online gaming. It's like, okay, so I can download Netflix. I have to, if I want to watch Netflix on my Xbox, not only am I paying Netflix, you know, whatever it is a month, then I have to pay for a subscription to use it on Xbox. Okay, why is it that Nintendo will let me use my Netflix subscription for free, but Xbox, you're going to make me pay? Now, that's not too much of an issue because I really don't use uh, my video game consoles to watch to watch Netflix. Um, usually, because we have one of those TVs that has Netflix built into it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I still need to pay for the subscription, of course. But if I want to watch Netflix while on our remote, there's a button that says Netflix. Yeah. Press that, <laughs> and then it brings up Netflix. So, and honestly, I don't really watch much Netflix on my computer Usually when I watch Netflix, it's either on my TV or on my phone. Yeah. So it's not a huge deal for me, but I do agree with you. I think that if there's a subscription service that I'm paying for, I shouldn't have to pay an extra amount just to use it on my video game console.
1: Yeah. Now, the second thing, see, for me, I'm totally the opposite. I have my TV, which my TV is a little older, so it doesn't really have many apps and it doesn't run really well when I run those apps. So I've got my PS4 and my PS4 does my Amazon Prime, my Hulu, my Netflix, my Funimation and my Crunchyroll. So I've got all those going through it. And I couldn't imagine having to pay, you know, $60 more a year just so that I could have access to that.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. maybe there's something on the back end that they have to do those additional fees, but I just think personally I think it's unnecessary because like I said, Nintendo with the Wii and the Wii U they could you could use their, your streaming services for free on their system and you could do online gaming for free. so I don't know. but I guess another thing that I would like to see with um, the next generation, and again, this is more the games than the consoles, but if there was a way to do smartphone integration, uh, because I think one of the trends that we can look forward to in gaming is augmented reality. Because games like Pokemon Go have shown that it can be extremely popular. And again, with Nintendo, with the Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu, they did show that you can find ways to integrate the use of your video game into your smartphone. So I think if they could if they could develop more apps like or more games like that where there is that cross functionality I think that would be interesting. I mean again that's more of a game designer thing though than a console issue, but it's fun to think about what you could do with those, you know?
1: Well there is already I mean I don't know what the limitations are. Um I haven't really tried on my Xbox 1. Um I know for PlayStation, they do have the ability to use uh, Bluetooth devices uh, on there. Um, I'm not sure if the actual wireless controllers are actually Bluetooth controllers or not, but being able to sync cell phone data to your PS4 or to your Xbox, again, I'm not sure if they have the ability to do that already. I think they do for, you know, just whatever, because the PlayStation did have its own app,
0: and Xbox 1 I think also has its own app. I have it downloaded on my old phone but I didn't put it on my new phone cuz I wasn't really using it. It was pretty much just pushing me notifications so it's like I really didn't need that crap. But <laughs> so what are what are some other things that you'd like to see cuz I mean I haven't thought about it too much. I when I was when I was reading about the whole idea of the streaming gaming services I do like the idea, and I think it might work with maybe simpler games. But or actually, one thing that would be cool is if they did introduce functionality like that with classic arcade games. Because, you know, let's just take a game like Gauntlet, for example. Mm-hmm. I don't need to save Gauntlet. You know, I can, that's one of those games where pretty much you count on it being a new experience every time you play it. Uh, but a lot of those classic arcade games, you know, Gauntlet, Pac Man, uh, games like that, they're fun to just pick up and play for a few minutes every now and then without getting them, you know, invested in, devoting a lot of time to that game. So if they could work, if the next generation of consoles, if they could do something more like that, where they do offer these classic arcade games, maybe as a service. I mean, if if it was just paying a few dollars a month, I could see that. So would, do you think that would be something that would be attractive to you?
1: I think one of the consoles already tried to do that. I don't know whether that was Xbox 360 or Xbox One, but it was bad because of the price that you had to pay for each game. And again, how how good is the emulation to the arcade games? Because I don't want the old ports. I think we went over this last time with some of the stuff. It's like some of the games, why didn't you just port the actual game why did you try to redo it
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) because i mean come on i'm sure that the next generation of consoles will be able to handle pac-man you know
1: oh god yeah oh i was gonna say so some of the things that i would like to see in the next consoles is and it sounds like you don't use your your consoles the same way i do but i'm I'm looking at we've. Moved, what's funny is the last consoles, even though we had kind of moved past it, both came out originally with 500 gig hard drives. I think we're past that now. I think your base models all have to have a one terabyte hard drive at this day and age. They need storage, and the and like the pro, if they had a pro or if they had another area i think the the starting point should be a 2 gigabyte drive if you're having an upgrade i just think we've reached the level of need for data and patches that you know they're large enough now that we need either a 1 or 2 terabyte hard drive
0: yeah and, um, and that is a good that's a good point where um cuz i mean i'm sure the technology has come down where it's not going to be at they could do it without having to bump up the price of the unit too much because do you remember when i mean let's just look at usb drives do you remember when like uh, a 500 megabyte one that you would just fit in your pocket when that cost like 30 bucks
1: <laughs> Mm-hmm. and now you can buy like 30 almost 500 mega sd cards or whatnot for like what for some of the larger ones, like nowhere near, you know, the price of storage has gone down.
0: So, yeah, there's Um, no reason they couldn't. And especially since the trend nowadays seems to be that when you download a game or you buy a game, it's going to require a lot patches and updates. So, yeah, you need that extra space.
1: Yeah. and, And that's why I'm saying this whole thing where they try to just stick a 500 gig hard drive in there you know what i mean i just don't think that's plausible anymore i think we definitely need to uh move it up now the other thing i don't know if it's really needed yet but i think the time might be to include two hard drives as well one for just the base op- operating system and possibly put that on an ssd Uh, just to get some extra speed out of it that you have your storage drive, just like you have in most, you know, home built computers. Nowadays, you've got your SSD for most of the computing and most of the just running. And then your storage is based off your mechanical, you know, one, two terabyte hard drive. I think that's something they should be looking into as well.
0: Yeah. And I mean, especially that's actually a good idea, especially with speed because, I mean, no one likes sitting there for 30 seconds to a minute or more waiting for, you know, staring at a load screen. But I think as we start to see games get more complex, you know, that we see the graphics get better, we see the games get larger, something like that would be beneficial uh, because it could possibly allow the game developers, if they know that they're going to have extra speed to work with, to fully take advantage of what a console can do. Um, Because, I mean, you remember back in the days of the Atari Jaguar, which was claiming that it was a 64-bit system when you know part of the problem it just got kind of over complex because i guess it used a couple different processors that yeah. added up to 64-bit but it wasn't a true 64-bit system so they weren't
1: but, all working together
0: <laughs> yeah so because of that you know it was hard for game developers to take full advantage of what the jaguar jaguar could do but mm-hmm. you think if they did introduce something like that dual hard drive it could give gamer it could give game developers a lot more power to work with,
1: yeah, and that's that's just a big thing is now you know do it and another thing is don't skimp out, I mean, I think we're at the point where we understand that the new consoles are going to be pricey, you know what I mean. Hopefully not up to the $600 mark like I think they originally wanted like the PS3 to be at or whatnot or higher. But, you know, I think everybody's OK with about $400 now. Don't get me wrong. Hopefully any listeners who go, are you crazy? But you know what I mean? I think the days of knowing you're going to get your $250 system or even $299, you know, for your brand new top of the line system kind of out there. So don't don't skimp out on ram don't skimp out on processing power just because you know what i yeah. mean yeah cuz there's hard
0: these, there's, there's hardcore gamers out there that will pay uh you know for that extra power and
1: then eventually they you're going to make a new iteration of it anyway it always happens where anybody who can't afford it right away once you drop the price they're going to be able to get that you know, it's just one of those things. Now, the, here's one thing I'm I'm thinking we don't agree on, but I might be wrong. I say we need the 4K Blu-ray drive in both Xbox mm. One X already does it. I prefer having one thing. I don't want to buy a PS4. Uh, you know, Xbox. Expo- well, I've got an Xbox One. You know what I mean? But I don't want to have to buy three different devices. One to stream things, one to put my Blu-rays in or my 4K discs. My, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. I kind of would like one box. I and one of the things is don't skip out there either because I don't know if you know this and I don't know if it's still true, but there was a long, long time where the PS3 was the best Blu-ray player you could buy. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. So, um... and then now with the PS4. It's not as good quality for Blu-ray player, as far as I'm aware. And when they came out with the Pro, they didn't put a 4K Blu-ray player in there to make sure they could do where, you know, even the Xbox One, Xbox One S, the new Xbox Ones, they can actually play 4K Blu-rays. It just doesn't make any sense. So that's why I'm saying, like, again, I don't know if you agree with me, but I'm just saying this thing should have what it needs to have to be your main media place at your big TV.
0: Yeah. And and I can see that because I mean, it's convenient because that way you just put one device there and you don't have to have, you don't have to make room for your Blu-ray player as well. So, Mm. and I, and I don't know how much of an issue this is, but backwards compatibility, if they can do more backwards compatibility, I like it when they can do that. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a technical reason why not all games are backwards compatible, or rather forwards compatible, where, like, playing, like, an Xbox game on an Xbox 360. But, I mean, that would be nice, because if I upgrade my system, okay, why can't my Xbox 360 play Xbox games? So... I don't know yeah
1: and and that's the thing is they're getting their xbox already ha- xbox one already has it now, it just doesn't have all the games p s four doesn't have any backwards compatibility, which is strange because they have such a great library that yes. to not make it to now p s three of course they went with. the cell processor, which apparently that was just a cluster for any developers trying to make stuff for it and trying to emulate that from what they've seen is really, really hard. And that's why they've got that PS Now platform. But to not have PS2 and PS1 emulation and backwards compatibility on the PS4 is totally bizarre. So I do agree with you that backwards compatibility is a definitely thing they have. And they have released a patent where it does look like um they are going to be doing backwards compatibility with the new PlayStation. With that's Xbox, cool. it would be dumb if they suddenly said, Yeah, we did all this for the Xbox One, we ain't doing this anymore. It <laughs> it would just not make any sense. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's uh I think it's about time to call this episode to a close here. So, hopefully, game designers, game developers, I know you're out there listening to us, right? Are those crickets I'm hearing? Possibly. (laughs) Yeah. But, anyways, uh, hopefully, uh, the next generation of consoles, they'll take some of the things that we've loved about the previous consoles, and they'll keep doing that. And, hopefully, they'll take some of the stuff that annoys the heck out of us, and they'll find ways to fix that. So, with that said, I'd like to thank you all for listening, and... Keep on gaming.
1: It was a dark and stormy night, and the hosts of the Queens of the Damned podcast had just gathered around the fire with their tomes of forgotten lore. Don't forget the wine! And a lot of wine, much of which had already been imbibed. For her part, Miranda was discussing A History of Frankenstein, from its conception to Karloff's beloved role as the monster... And Rachel would continue with...
0: Vincent Price. Like, everything about Vincent Price.
1: And as the fire died down, Nikki would conclude the evening... With something related to gothic literature, probably. You know me so well. Do you like listening to three women debate about the cultural significance of the horror genre? And also axe murders. I do love a good old-timey axe murder story then Queens of the Damned, a horror podcast, is the show for you. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere you can download a podcast. Visit us at queensofthedamnedpodcast.wordpress.com, qotdpodcast.podbean.com, or email us at qotdpodcast at gmail.com for more details about our monthly horror giveaways. Stay spooky!